This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and thank you for joining me on this July 11th edition of Invest Talk. I am Steve Peasley, and I do appreciate it. I do. And for those of you who are ready to improve your investing skills, you've come to the right place. Listen and learn here on Invest Talk. We've been doing this program for over 20 years, 20 years, so we're not new to this. And your questions, yours, always are part of the program, and that's why the program works so well. So give us a call now at 888-99-CHART. And please tell your friends about, you know, the various platforms we use, investtalk.com, the radio program, investtalk, the archive podcast library, and, of course, investtalk.com, all about, you know, our commitment to common sense investing is all throughout those platforms, and we hope that uh, it'll make us all better investors, and I'm hoping to make you a better investor. Well, there was a lot of the news today, and I'm going to touch on several subjects of interest before the hour is over. One thing I'll delve in today is the question of IRAs versus 401ks. When it's time to tap your next stake, when is it? And there's a new trend driven by, well, hang, I don't want to get into it, so I'll, give, I'll get into it in about the next 10 minutes or so. But first, let's get to our Tuesday questions, get them kicked off with the one that came in earlier on our Anytime Listener line. 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve. Hi, Justin. This is Roger calling from San Francisco. Hey, just a question for you guys, because I really enjoy listening to the show and get a lot out of it. But I am a little bit confused because you guys, for the longest time, really since I've been listening, the end of last year, uh, the beginning of this year, you've been saying that you really felt like the way to go in this market was with the value stocks, and uh, you really thought that the growth stocks had kind of had their run. I just looked up some year-to-date numbers, a few of these big-name growth stocks. NVIDIA is up 29%. Amazon is up 49%. Netflix is up a whopping 118%. What do you say to your clients and to investors who feel like maybe you missed a boat on these? I mean, these returns are incredible. And if you're sitting there buying stocks that are getting, you know, a 3 or 4% dividend but not doing anything in terms of appreciation, that's kind of hard to stomach. Just like to hear your comments. Thanks very much. Love the show. Well, I think that's a very good point. And he is right. The big tech stocks are still moving up. Okay. Uh, the FANG stocks, Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, and Google. All have, are all moving up still last year and this year, and they're the ones who are driving the Nasdaq. And without them, that without them driving the Nasdaq, they're they're a huge part of the return. If you don't own those stocks, you are not going to do that well. I only we only own Apple, you know, and have owned Apple forever. But I can't, as I said, I can't and I won't. I, I've gone through this before during the dot com where. Uh, on the air on the radio, 1998, 1999, where you were saying these dot com stocks have no earnings. How can you be buying them? I can't buy them. I can't buy a stock that doesn't make any money. But we still had very good returns in 1999. We just didn't have the returns of the dot coms. 
then again, we didn't crash like the dot-coms either. So it, you know, there's a point where, yeah, yeah, they keep moving. Yeah, we, you know, if you take a look, you'll see a lot of the value stocks have moved up nicely. But these big tech have dominated the, uh, the move in the NASDAQ, and they continue to do so. Big tech companies, I don't think it's, it's going to come to a screeching halt at some point. I just can't tell you when. And I've said that many times. It, it, it's going to stop working. Value has started to work better than growth. But if you, you've got to take out those five, the FANG stocks, to say that is true. If you add them back into the index, it, it would not be true. But if you look at the underlying fundamentals, you can see that value is starting to work better than growth. Nothing dramatic yet. Growth over long periods of time trumps value. Uh, value over long periods of time trumps growth. And yeah, what I say to people, I say, yep, that's true. Yeah, we 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 missed the boat on buying those fang stocks, but I don't really care. Remember, I buy the same thing for myself as I do for my clients at the same price, same thing. I just cannot bring myself to buying huge PE ratios that I know are not sustainable. Just don't know how long, how long this will run. I don't know. Good question, though. I appreciate you bringing that up. No problem. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. During program research today, we came across a story published by usatoday.com. Uh, three reasons IRAs have edged, edge have an edge over 401ks when it's time to tap them, when it's time to start to draw money. And now for most working Americans, you have a vehicle called a 401k. 403b, 457, the same kinds of vehicles. Uh, and uh, we, there's been a flood of retirement savings dollars moving from these 401ks into IRAs because when you retire, you have the choice to either stay with the 401k or move it, roll it over to an IRA. Sometimes you don't have the choice to stay because sometimes the employers kick you out. But most of the time you have that, even though you don't work there anymore or you're retired, you can stay there. But most people roll over to an IRA and mostly because... It's a better idea. It's just a better idea to do so. Uh, and there's, a very, there's several reasons for that. Um, in, uh, in last year, $200 billion in assets was rolled from old 401k plans to IRAs. Uh, these were from investors from age 60 to 69, so people who are retiring. And the average rollover is about 200000 204000 Okay, uh, older Americans account that uh, older Americans older than 60 account for 70% of all IRA assets. So that's where most of the money is. So why would it be a good better idea to roll over to an IRA versus leaving 401k? Number one, you got more flexible withdrawal options. You take the money out easier. Number two, better, more flexible investment options. Number three, more access to advice if you need help, and lower cost, number four. So with all this said, staying put in your 401k could be a better choice. That's possible depending on your circumstances. But determining what to do in your specific case can be tricky, and so you need to ask people. Don't assume you can only get advice in an IRA. You can get advices on 401k. You just have to ask people. Okay, so don't hesitate to do that. You can ask me or Justin. 
you know, we're a good example for you to ask, so type of people. People who do not want to try to sell you something, that's, that's the key. Okay, what's on our featured talking point today? Well, if you must take on debt, what are the best and worst loans that you can take? I ask this knowing that about 80% of Americans' households hold some form of debt, 80%. But what types of loans should you avoid and what look, uh, look to be a better option? That's going to be our main talking point today. Also, when will we see prices go up from all these tariffs that are going on around the world? And, you know, and, and now the more Chinese tariffs are coming, uh, allegedly. We haven't seen it. It hasn't been implemented yet, but more uh, outgoing tariffs on incoming products. It's obviously going to raise prices. So when are we going to see the prices go up? And another one, can you retire early? Now, I'm talking about can you. Of course you can, but have you considered all the costs when you retire early? And finally, has big tech gotten too big? Isn't that funny how that ties in with the question, the first question we had in here? I mean, I wrote this down earlier today uh, thinking, okay, we got to see what's happening. But this, this is not about the big tech being big in and of itself. But what happens when companies get so big they dominate? That's what I want to talk about. That's going to be our talking point today. The market was down. Dow was down 219 points. The Nasdaq down 43. And the S&P down 20. That's after what? Four days in a row being up. And of course, four days in a row being up was after about four or five days of being down. Yeah, are mixed. So, you know. It's, it's just, it's kind of interesting that the market is still struggling, but it's struggling near its highs, not struggling near its lows. So that's an interesting scenario going on. 888-99-CHARTERS is our number, everybody. 888-992-4278. I'm Steve Peasley. I thank you for making time for Invest Talk today. If you listen on a regular basis, you're likely to hear a pattern in our presentation. Straightforward information with unbiased and the analysts. It is by design. Justin and I do our best to make the complex understandable. And we always appreciate your input, so please call 888-99-CHART. It's a Wednesday Invest Talk. July is moving fast. You may be realizing that your portfolio needs some attention, and investtalk.com can help. Check out the varied investing strategy programs offered by KPP Financial. There's one to match your risk tolerance. But now, Steve's here, and he's taking your calls. 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. We're going to talk about loans, okay, for a minute and the best and worst kind of loans that you should have. You know, first of all, most people at some point have loans. I think it's like 80%. Yeah, 80% of American households hold some form of debt. Okay? Uh, and, uh, you know, what's a good debt versus bad debt? I, I always consider good debt being mortgages on property because property is an appreciating asset. Therefore, a mortgage is a good debt. Bad debt. Credit card debt is one of the worst. We all know that, right? Mentally, we know that, but people still use credit cards. 
the average uh, um, the average rate on a credit card is 17%. 17%. You know what the average uh, uh, credit card debt per indebted household is? $16,061. The, the high mark was in 2008 at $16,912. So, so we're pretty close to the high mark. Credit card debt is the worst, the worst. And I know a lot of people think all, what I'll do is I'll pay off my credit card debt by refinancing uh, my house, taking some money out of the house, and then pay off the credit card debt. Two reasons why that's not the best idea. One is you're now taking that 17% interest rate, and now you're stretching it over 30 years, the, the whatever you bought. So you're really going to be paying a lot more than you think for that shirt or that dinner out or those Starbucks coffees. It's way over twice as much, okay, because you're stretching the payments over 30 years, even though the interest rate is low. Number two, has that it does nothing to stop you from using the credit card to build up credit card debt again. You have to change the pattern, your pattern, and using that credit card and using revolving credit. Pay the credit card off every month. Another good kind of debt is home equity debt. I mean, if you have to take on debt, that's not a bad way to go. But I don't like it. Believe me, I think you should not go into debt and, and spend what you earn and not overspend. But home equity debt is not a bad way to go. Personal loans, pretty expensive. Not a good way to go. Worst thing you could do, tap your 401k, borrow money from your 401k. That's for your retirement. That's not money you're supposed to even think about being available for anything but retirement. Anyways, this is Invest Talk, everybody. I'm Steve Peasley, and heading into this break, I want to remind you that Invest Talk is heard live each weekday at 4 to 5 Pacific Time, Monday through, Monday through Friday. Radio is live. And it's also live uh, streaming on the internet at investtalk.com. So please tell your friends and family members to tune in. We welcome their questions, your questions, all questions, as long as they're financial. 888-99-CHART. The amount and variety of financial advice offered by an almost unlimited number of sources can seem overwhelming. But InvestTalk Radio, Podcast, and InvestTalk.com are available 24-7 to give you straightforward and unbiased guidance. And if you're ready for a personalized portfolio tune-up, you can schedule a meeting with Steve or Justin. Start a conversation by going to the Contact Us page at InvestTalk.com. And now, back to your calls, 888-99-CHART. Hey, Stephen, Justin, this is Charlie from Pensacola. I was calling to ask about Under Armour UA. It looks like it's got a little momentum. And I was also curious about HTA, Healthcare Trust of America. I'll be listening on the podcast tomorrow for your answers. Thank you. Okay, let's talk about Under Armour. Uh, we can only do one stock, really. Under Armour, um, markets, performance apparel, footwear, accessories made from moisture-wicking synthetic fabrics. We've talked about it before. It's a $9 billion company. And it, it just is, 
well, you should look at statistics, okay? In, nine, in 2016, they made 71 cents a share, and that's the most they've ever made, 71 cents a share, and the stock had a low of 23 and a high of 46. 2019, next year, it's going to be 36 cents a share, 20 cents a share this year, 19 cents a share last year. So it's going to be about half, half the earnings of 2016. So that alone should tell you uh, it's not going to go up probably as high as it was back in 2016. Current PE range is 111. Five-year range is 26 to 119. We're in return on equity is only 4%. Sales growth is 6 to 10%. So why would you pay more than market value for a company that's not growing that fast? Earnings are not as good as they used to be. See, and it's a $20.84 stock. And it was up from $12 back in February. So it's already had a very good run up. Very good run up. And I don't think it has much room to go much further. I think it's topped. I think it's I think that it could go higher, but that sales growth has to start really accelerating instead of being six, five. 9%, that, that's just not enough to drive this stock higher. So I think it's fairly priced where it is or a little overpriced where it is, so I would not recommend Under Armour. Simple as UA, everybody. UA, Under Armour. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. So when will we see prices go up because of all this, all these tariffs and tariff talks? Okay, now we know that the Trump put tariffs on steel going out, and therefore there was retaliation by our trading partners on products coming in. And we know that he's talking about uh, uh, jacking up uh, uh, tariffs on Chinese products, $200, $300 billion worth of products. Do you know that, by the way, China imported to us $500 billion worth of products in 2017. So uh, we know that's happening. It's on everything. Fabrics, clothing, vacuum cleaners, refrigerators, computers, lighting fixtures, all that stuff, you know, from China. And then cars, it's probably going to add about $1,000 to the sticker price of automobiles because of the various parts and imports and all that stuff. So when are we going to see these price increases? And it's probably going to start filtering in around the fall. It takes time. We're going to see it filtering in the cost to us in the fall. Okay? So, we've already seen, it seemed, you know, for, according to the last report on import-exports, that the, the, uh, the imports have slowed. Okay? And so, that really probably helped the GDP for the second quarter when we finally get that number here, which is coming out pretty soon. But so that's when you expect to see some price changes. I don't know if you will like all of a sudden see prices jump, but it will add to inflation. And I wonder if that's part of the equation when the Federal Reserve looks at things that they see inflation coming because of these tariffs. I wonder if that's part of their equations to raise interest rates. That might be. Now, as you know, I think the Fed should stop raising rates. I think they should. We need to see what the, the the constant raising of rates have done to the economy, and we won't really see that. For it always comes six, nine months down the road. 
Now, when you see the actual effect of higher interest rates. And the Fed wants to get the rates back to normal, normalization, which is, by the way, about 3%. And they're pretty far from that. Time for Invest Talk 101, my lesson in everyday investing. Today, understanding economic fundamentals. It's important to understand how to analyze the fundamentals of individual stocks and to also understand the economic fundamentals that affect the future direction of business activity. So how can we measure it? Now, there are a few ways to calculate gross domestic product, GDP, but the simplest calculation involves four factors, consumption, investment, government spending, and net exports. Net exports, what comes in, what goes out. <coughs> Since we export a lot less than we import, that deducts from our GDP and has been for years and years and years. And that's the thing that President Trump is trying to address something that has not been addressed. That's Invest Talk 101, everybody. If you want to talk about it, give me a call, 888-99-CHART. Tomorrow on Invest Talk, sooner or later, a bear market will become reality. What are some of the expert strategies designed to protect your portfolio when the bear arrives? We'll explain that tomorrow. But for now, I'm Steve Peasley, and I'm here for you. Call me at 888-99-CHART, and we'll be right back. Our podcast continues next. The process of investing is more than just picking stocks. Investing begins with savings, of course, and along the way, there are issues about taxes and then estate planning and on and on. KPP Financial clients have a ready resource of information about any and all of these personal financial matters. All they need to do is ask. Managing your money gets more complex every day, and there are more options than the average person could possibly comprehend. And when we're confronted with too many choices, research shows that people put off decisions, important decisions. Most times, that's not productive. KPP Financial's philosophy is the more their clients know, the more successful they'll be, and the more predictable their future will be. KPP Financial, serving the average investor, helping them find solutions. Now let's continue with the podcast. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, where principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are dedicated to providing straightforward and unbiased investing management. For listeners, the Invest Talk commitment to reason and common sense guidance can help make better investors, and individuals who choose to become KPV clients enjoy personalized and highly experienced attention to their portfolio. Do you want to speak with Steve right now? He's here, and the lines are open. 888-99-CHART. Hi, a very quick question that I have, and hoping it's not too much of a novice question, but I was advised by one of my financial advisors that this at retirement, I'm likely to still be in the high-income bracket that I should actually do after-tax submissions for my 403C because then I wouldn't have to pay tax on more money after retirement. So if you have thoughts on whether you do pre-tax or after-tax, if you're unlikely to change your tax bracket with retirement, that'd be helpful. Thanks. Well, what you should do, and I don't know your personal situation, is consider a Roth 
401, a Roth IRA because you can put money in that after tax money and all that growth for over the years when you start taking out, you never have to pay taxes on it. So you still want to do your 403B or your 401K, 457, whatever it is, and that's before tax. And all the money you take out of that when you retire is added to your income for that year and you have to pay income tax. Hopefully the thought is that you'll have less income. But if you're going to be the tax, top tax bracket, you start, you can start moving money into a Roth, okay, uh, and start doing it. The earlier you do it, the better it is. Then you can take some money out of your Roth and some out of your regular in retirement and try to keep yourself in the lowest tax bracket. I think that's a smarter way to do it. Uh, don't put just extra money in your 401k or 403b because then you have to track how much extra money you're putting in there. That is, you know, been taxed already, and, and you'll lose track. You'll lose track of that. Trust me. So don't do it that way. Set up a separate Roth account and put money in that. Now you can only put what fifty-five hundred dollars away in in the Roth. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what the rules are because it depends on your salaries, and I'm not sure how much you could put in a Roth without, you know, with, within staying within the rules. And there's, but talk to your accountant; he'll he'll have the right answer. But that, I think it would be smarter to separate that and put it in a Roth. Okay. Okay. Can you retire early? A lot of people want to retire early. But there's a lot of things to think about, not just the fact that you do you have enough money. That's, of course, number one uh, and very important. But there's things that you have to consider that you won't be able to nail down as to how much will cost in retirement. One of the major things is uh, medical, medical costs, health care costs, because, uh, you know, it, it some years it, it always goes up. Healthcare costs always go up. Healthcare insurance always goes up. I've never seen it go down. And some years, I mean, when when Obamacare came in, I, my 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 office jumped up dramatically. Um, uh, so there's that issue. You can decide not to ca carry uh, medical insurance, but I think that would be suicidal. So you're going to have to consider the cost. And you're not going to be able to determine exactly how much that is. So when you retire early, you don't have Medicare. You don't have. You have to pay for it out of your pocket, and it's going to be thousand dollars or more, and it's going to go up every year. So you got to think about carefully when you say you're going to retire early. You might consider if you're retiring early, you might consider going back to work after a time that you're out on a part-time basis just to get benefits, because. You know, doing absolutely nothing in retirement and you're young, it's tough. It's hard to do that. And you got to also consider the length of time that your money has to last. you got to figure it's got to last till you're 90 years old or, or older, especially with this day and age of, you know, drugs that keep people alive and healthier longer. So the money has to last that long. And I always suggest, okay, you can't have any debt when you retire. I don't care what age you retire, you can't have any debt. And you have to be able to live off what your money can earn. Not take the money, the principal out, but only take out what it's earning. So figure out how to do, how much that money that you have, your nest egg, 
how much it's going to earn on average every year. And that's how much money you can spend. And that rate is about four and a half, five percent. That's that, you know, some people think it's a less than four and a half, maybe four percent. That's a rule of thumb, and a lot of people say, "Well, that's not true anymore because you can stay invested longer." Yeah, but you're you're up in your risk quotient. You know, people are getting too complacent about how much risk the stock market is, and it because it's gone pretty much steadily up over a number of years, and they think that's that's how it works. No, try to remember the two thousand eight. 50% fall in the stock indexes. Now, try to remember 2000 and the dot-com crash where a lot of people lost huge amounts, 80% or more in their portfolios. Those, don't, don't think it can't happen again. It can. It can. It, you know, so you have to not be complacent about your money, especially if you're going to retire early. You've got to take much less risk because you you're not earning money. You're not growing your portfolio anymore by your earnings. So be very careful retiring early. It's something you have to consider consider long and hard. As most of you know, we encourage your finance and investing questions live each weekday on Invest Talk here during the radio program. And, of course, we're live 45 Pacific Time, Monday through Friday. But we also accept your questions around the clock, 24 hours a day, seven days a week on the same number. 888 chart So don't be afraid to call after hours. And we'll record your call and then play it back on the program when we're live. And remember, you or your friends are free to listen to any Invest Talk show anytime you have a free moment. We keep about 100 recent programs archived and accessible via our podcast player at investtalk.com. And you're in luck. I'm here now talking, taking your calls live at 888-99-CHART. Your Northern California opportunity is just seven days away. Invest Talk Steve Peasley will be in San Jose on Wednesday, July 18th. He'll be conducting no-cost portfolio reviews for Invest Talk listeners. Steve can sit down with you, examine your portfolio, and very possibly make recommendations that can start earning you more income. Space is limited. There may only be a few appointment times remaining. So head to investtalk.com and register for a portfolio review with Steve. He's here right now, and you can ask your question live. 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve and Justin. Uh, Dion with Jacksonville, Florida. I uh, love your show. You guys are doing a great job. I appreciate all your help. I'm looking at these two ticker symbols, um, both in the small cap front. These are both ETFs. You know, with all the tariffs and things going forward, i um, wondering if this would be a good time to start looking at some small caps. I don't currently have any small cap in my portfolio, mostly growth, mutual funds, and the IT sector and financial. These two symbols I'm looking at are IJR and SLY. And these are both ETFs. They're both trailing well above the 200-day moving average. So I'm wondering if this is a good time to actually even look at these or just kind of hold off for maybe another month or so and see what they do. Any help be appreciated. I uh, appreciate the time and the effort here. Thank you. Take care. Well, FLI is an, a leasing company. It's not an ETF. It provides leasing of 85 commercial jet aircraft and other aviation assets. The other one, IJR, tracks the S&P 
small cap 600 index okay and it's done pretty well this year it's gone out pretty good um, um, so if you're gonna you want some small cap exposure in your portfolio this is is this is an ETF that will do that but don't overinvest in it don't dominate your portfolio with small cap stocks uh, small caps generally for everybody generally move faster up and down um, they're generally uh, growth oriented type stocks and this is 600 of them so there's going to be some small end you know probably leaking into mid cap this S&P 500 600 index you might want to do a search and find a small cap value index I'm sure there's an ETF out there that does that um, versus growth and this is not neither growth nor value this is just tracking the entire uh, S&P 600 index which is 600 companies all small small cap meaning small companies with market caps of small is usually one to maybe three billion dollars you get under one you get into what they call micro caps you know technically if it's 900 million that might be considered a small cap there is no clear definition between small cap mid cap and large cap there's no place to say well that's what it is it's this size no that doesn't exist <coughs> excuse me so that's uh, this would be a good one if you're looking for just small cap exposure I J R I J R E T F. okay let's go to a mark in San Jose how you doing mark Good, Steve. How are you doing? I'm good. I thank you for the call. Hi, uh, I got a question on uh, Micron uh, M U. Want to know when's a good time to uh, get in and what's a good price to buy? Okay, Micron Technology. Everybody is a pretty big company. Sixty-two billion dollars makes Dram uh, Dram uh, uh, flash memory, image sensors. You know, those kinds, it's all on electronics, servers for computers and things. It's going to make $11.77 this year. That's up over 100% from last year. Next year, it's going to be $11.66. So, it's actually going to be making a little bit less. But it's a $54 stock making $11. That's, that's 5 PE. 5. And the 5-year range is 4 to 70. Return equity is high at 37%. That's great not too much debt sales growth is pretty strong so i i frankly think mark it's a pretty good value right where it is at 54 dollars, and it fell down mm -hmm. to like 51 or so I, I i would not hesitate to pick up some right here right where it is you know okay. um it could go back it could go back into the low 40s it's it's a pretty volatile stock i mean it moves up and down for a huge 62 billion it's one of your more volatile stocks but i think it's a pretty good price right in here so you might go down and then maybe buy half now mark and if it goes down further maybe down into the low 40s buy the other half that's what i would do and if it okay. breaks above 60 uh if it breaks above 63 i might buy the other half then too because then it broke all resistance on the upside so that's what i would do mark appreciate the call Thank you. MU, everybody. Mike, thank you. Micron Technologies. Good value play right now. Good value. 
Now, one of the issues you have, it is volatile. And it's very cyclical attached to the economic cycle. You know, if we go into recession, which I don't think we're going to anytime soon, but these kinds of stocks will get hurt. Will get hurt, okay? Now, how big tech is, has big tech, big technology companies, big ones. I'm talking about the FANG companies, Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, Google. Have they gotten too big? And what do I mean by that? Big companies, big companies, no matter what, whether they're tech or not, tend to retard innovation. Okay, yeah, I'm talking about Facebook. Yes, I'm talking about Apple. I'm talking about Netflix, Google. They retard innovation. Well, how did they do that? Because of their size and the, the amount of money they have, they kind of squash the little guy, the, the innovators, the startups. They will either buy them, buy them outright, so make them part of their group, or they copy their products quickly. And then they have hordes of attorneys to defend what they perceive as, you know, maybe their patents or whatever. The bigger the company, the more they tend to dominate and retard innovation. Now, and the, this this is not new. This is not new to tech companies. It's not. Uh, but what it is new is some of these tech companies are so big, so big that they dominate every, anything they touch. And so now, are we losing innovators because of this? Startup companies. Are we losing that 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 ability? You know, if they, if if someone comes up with a better widget in tech, I guarantee you that one of the big boys are looking to buy them out. And at this maybe because of this, and they you know they 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 say they're going to of course fold that into their own software products or hardware products and they're going to fold it in but it gets lost in that right it gets lost in that and it slows down and i'm just curious is this part of the problem with our low productivity over the recent years low productivity is this part of the problem and i'm throwing it out there i i'm not sure but i knew from historical no being around forever that the bigger the companies are that dominate, like Amazon, uh, like Facebook, uh, like Google, bigger they are and they dominate their sphere, the less innovation you have because they're getting bigger and bigger and bigger and slower and slower and slower. Hard to believe, but our Wednesday show, Wednesday already, is almost over. However, we still got 10 minutes left. So let's talk about how to grow your money, anything financial. Get to the calls, 888-99-CHART. On the next Invest Talk, sooner or later, a bear market will become reality. What are some of the expert strategies designed to protect your portfolio when the bear arrives? That's tomorrow. But now, Steve is here, ready, and waiting for your calls. 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve and Justin. I have a question about the appropriate time to sell stocks. I have 
a small amount of money invested in individual stocks. I consider it play money. And still, it's always been a buy and hold philosophy for me. A few of these stocks have lost money, and I have held on to them nevertheless. Is there any kind of general advice you can give about whether it's better to sell losers at the end of the year to take advantage of the tax advantages? Or is, if you believe the stock is basically solid, even though it's been losing, better to, to hold on? I always subscribe to this buy and hold philosophy. Thank you. Bye. Well, okay. When to sell a stock? Well, there, a, a good reason is to uh, try to mitigate any gains, capital gains, by selling stocks that are losers and taking that loss and apply it to the gain. That's a reason. But more broadly speaking, the, the reason you bought the stock, you should have reasons why you purchased those stocks. Okay, let's say they go down. The reason that you bought the stock, if it still exists and there's been no change, you should hold on to the stock. You should sell the stock after it's gone down if things have changed. All of a sudden, the company is under investigation by the government for falsifying its records. Or a competitor comes out with a better, faster widget that, that, that now dominates or is starting to take away market share from the company you purchased, and that's new. You look for things that change, that would change your mind as to why you bought the stock. That's a reason to sell, because it's gone down. Just because it's gone down is not the reason to sell a stock. It's not. Um, also, don't just, I, there's, there's a, a mentality out there that is wrong, that Maybe we should talk about it. And that is, if you buy a stock and it goes down, the mentality is, well, I'll wait till I get even and then sell it. That's absolutely wrong thinking. You don't wait till you get even to sell a stock. That's not the reason why you're buying stocks. You're buying stocks to make money. So waiting for you to get even to sell it makes no sense. You sell it when you think this is the right time to sell because of fundamental reasons, fundamental changes in why you bought that stock. Okay, because it went down, and now why is it going down? Something that you missed when you first investigated it. And it's now doesn't, you know, now it's, you, you have a different reason to apply as to why you shouldn't hold it anymore. And don't, don't let emotions decide that for you. That's not, that's not how you're going to make money in the market. Don't let my motion decide. Now, did you see oil prices today? They went down almost 5%. Oil prices are pretty high. So why all of a sudden today they started to go down 5%? What, what was almost 5%? What was the reasoning? Well, there's a number of reasons. One, Libya uh, is starting to resume exports of their oil. That's just starting up. Two, uh, the U.S. may... may may provide waivers on the sanctions on Iranian Iranian oil. That's possible. That's in, they're talking. The U.S. dollar uh, strength. Uh, the dollar goes up. Oil prices are much, oil is much more expensive to foreigners because oil trades in dollars. So that's why uh, it finally broke and now coming back down. Saudi Arabia has been raising output of OPEC before the OPEC meeting. They've been raising their output. More oil on the market. Remember, we have plenty of oil in the world. 
U.S. crew, the EIA sees our crew for hearing from the United States going to go to 12 million barrels next year. 12 billion million barrels. Okay, we're, if we keep this up, we're going to be oil independent. In, 1990, in 1970, we only produced 9.6 million barrels. Now, we're up to 12. So those are very solid reasons why possibly, possibly that, you know, traders and investors decided to take profits in a big way today. They start this, see, it, 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 it's like anything else in the market. It's, you know, the expectation of something that drives prices. Not the actual fact of something, the expectation. Now, when the facts happen, it's already built into the price. Now you're looking for something else out in the future, expectations. That's it for today. Another Invest Talk Radio show with your questions driving the discussion. Today's program will be soon posted to our podcast player library at investtalk.com. Thank you for listening, everybody, and please come back tomorrow. I'll be here. I'm Steve Peasley, and good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for listeners to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are principals of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, which retains all rights.